When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Afzak, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. And over on Entertainment Weekly, and our friend Eric Monroe tweeted this out to me using the hashtag Daily Thrones, bringing it to my attention. We have Game of Thrones stamps, but it doesn't look like it's for the United States of America. This is for our friends in the UK, the Royal Mail Group. That's the UK's Postal Service. Thank you, Entertainment Weekly. Has issued a line of stamps, 10 Game of Thrones stamps. Don't put them on your raven, just put them on your letters. If any of you actually mail letters, I'd like to get these. I don't know, I don't know if I can. I might have to uh, finally get my passport ready and, and, and head on over to, to the United Kingdom and pick these up. You got some great choices. And Eric, you're right. We need a Stannis Baratheon one. But I can understand why Stannis wouldn't be on the first round of stamps. We have Daenerys Targaryen, Jon Snow, Tyrion Lannister, Jaime Lannister, Arya Stark, Cersei Lannister, Sansa Stark, Eddard Stark, Lena Tyrell, and Tywin Lannister. Some obvious choices, some choices I would expect to see on a Game of Thrones stamp set, but also, uh, you know, uh, having uh, the Queen of Thorns and Tywin in there is interesting. Uh, you know, Baelish, Varys, uh, Tormund, the Hound. There's some popular characters out there. Cal Drogo, actually. Cal Drogo still remains so popular to a lot of people, and myself included, with good reason. Uh, there's uh, other stamps that feature the Night King, Giants, Direwolves, Dragons, and the Iron Throne itself. Uh, so, and the Iron, oh, I've, I've, the Iron, <laughs> I just, I'm scrolling down the article, which is why I'm laughing as I go. Uh, the Giants stamp is, uh, that's pretty interesting there. Uh, the, uh, the stamps here are, are actually really beautiful. Some works of art. Some of the pictures, like the Daenerys Targaryen pictures from the, uh, the episode uh, where she screams, it's right before she screams, Dracarys, and uh, takes the Unsullied. So we've seen that picture before, but it's done well here. But the Cersei Lannister picture, uh, the Tywin Lannister stamp, and I think the Eddard one, I'd frame these. These are works of art. Even the Night King and the White Walker stamp is is gorgeous. These are kind of kind of artistic i'm in awe right now the Tyrion lannister one is the battle of blackwater bay blowing up behind him with some uh, wildfire i actually think the tywin lannister one with red you got the the uh inside his uh, room inside the hand of the king's uh, uh room there up in the tower you've got the uh the lion sigil which was uh Hanging there, the the the, the uh, ironwork sort of in the back is what I'm trying to say. It looks good, and he's got a fierce Tywin face on. He's got his armor on. I'm jealous of those who can pick up these stamps. Game of Thrones, man. As I said before, like Game of Thrones action figures, other than Funko Pops, don't seem to really take off. But the art of Game of Thrones absolutely strikes a chord. It inspires people, and now will inspire you while you send your mail. 
Hey, Ken, so the next moment I wanted to talk about is from episode two of season seven, Stormborn, and I love the whole opening scene. I really love Danny's talk with Varys, where Varys, you know, kind of reiterates how terrible her father was and, and even says, the truth was, Robert Baratheon was an improvement over your father. Robert just simply didn't care about being king, but he promises to serve her. And Danny, But Danny gives him a very dire warning and says, if you ever think I'm not the right person to do this, that you will come to me and tell me like you are now. You, and he agrees, and she says, good, because if you ever betray me, I will have you burnt alive, which was very, a very, very dire warning. And then comes Melisandre, which was very fascinating to see her have a scene with Danny. You know, Varys points out, you know, she once served another who wanted the Iron Throne. It didn't end well, for Status Baratheon did it, and Melisandre says, no, it did not. Eric checking in with a great moment from Season 7, Episode 2 with Varys and Danny and Danny and Melisandre. It was very fun this season to see some characters interact with characters we haven't seen them interact with before. That was part of the fun. It was like an all-star team. As the characters, well, die off and the story shrinks, that's going to happen more and more. I'm kind of... Uh, I'm kind of interested in uh, what Season eight's going to bring because they talk about... Character's going to be in places, literal places they've never really been before. That's that's interesting to me, especially uh, because of this long journey we've been on with these characters. In this moment, the one with Danny and Varys particularly uh, is, is of interest to me because Varys was doing what Varys has been doing all along, ever since we get to know him. He's saying the right things. He's making important people think. He's getting in their heads. And the truth about the Mad King, the truth about Ares, I mean, Danny's heard that before, but now she's on Dragonstone. Now she's on Westeros. She has a kingdom to conquer, and she doesn't want to carry on that legacy because a lot of people might not want the legacy of the Mad King to go on. They might want the Targaryen legacy to go on, but there could be some problems uh, if it's a carbon copy of the Mad King. But I was lulled into the sense of, yeah, this is great. Oh, I love Varys. He's always making good points. And then Danny flipped it on a, on a dime. And it was one of the moments where I think, and this is why we talk about these small moments on Game of Thrones. It was one of the moments for me where Danny was like, oh, she is definitely a queen. She's definitely a ruler. She is in charge, lest we forget. I think we got bogged down in some of the mistakes, and I'm putting quotation marks around that word mistakes, that Danny made in some of the earlier seasons. Uh, from season three on, midway through, her path through Essos wasn't as smooth as she had planned, wasn't as smooth as we had thought. And season seven does, doesn't end up going as smooth as she wanted as well. So we could have, could have seen that coming, I guess. We should have, shouldn't have been surprised. But in this moment, Danny is a ruler. And she turns, turns it on Varys on a dime. And I can't help but think in that moment, as I'm watching it for the very first time, because again, we're past the books here. We don't know. Anything could happen. And it was a moment where I thought, is Varys going to go? Is she just going to cut his head off? Is she going to burn him where he stands? Is Drogon going to fly right in and land somehow? Maybe just put his head on the painted table and then burn Varys alive? It was a tense moment and a reminder of who Danny has become and who Danny was destined to be all along. Melisandre and Danny is another great moment. Two powerful characters. Danny's obviously got more screen time and maybe more importance to the story, but Melisandre is powerful. She influences the events here. She's done some very interesting and powerful things, and it didn't work out for her and Stannis, unfortunately. But 
I love this moment of them together. I'd love to see how Melisandre is going to factor back in. We talk about it a lot here on Daily Thrones. Will she return with a bunch of red priests and priestesses? We can only help. Hey, Ken, it's Jeff. It's been a while. Holiday season's got the best of me. Haven't called in in a while, but I'm back. And uh, following up on the homework assignment, um, this morning I saw on Google that Esquire reported some story about George R. R. Martin's tweets over the holiday season. Um, he wished everyone a happy new year and a merry Christmas, and then mentioned something along of how 2018 is going to be a great year, dot, 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 um, and kind of alluding to different things, and of course all the speculation regarding it is whether or not Winds of Winter is going to come out. And he also paired it up with a picture of Santa's sleigh being pulled by a dragon, so who knows what that means. Um, George could be toying with all of us and be releasing something completely different that has nothing to do with Game of Thrones. Or we could finally be getting Winds of Winter. Who knows? But uh, that was the research. Uh, that was what I found doing my research. Jeff, it's great to hear from you again here on Daily Thrones. We always appreciate your phone calls. I love when each and every one of you call in. I love new callers, so if you're out there listening to Daily Thrones, if you're new to the app or new to the Daily Podcast, call on in. You can find me on Twitter. Use the hashtag Daily Thrones, but call in. I love to hear your guys' voice and opinions, literal and figuratively. Love to hear you guys here. On Game of Thrones, Jeff, thanks for uh, completing the homework assignment. That's some great research. Hadn't seen that. And yeah, you're right. George R. R. Martin's tweets, he knows the game. His blogs, he knows the game. But while he could be having fun with us, and yeah, you're right, he could be re releasing some weird science fiction novella that he's been working on on the weekends. Um, that definitely could be it. But yeah, I, I think the time is near. I think he knows he's got to get that out soon. But he's taken his time. He's always going to take his time, which we all kind of have to respect. But I, uh, I wonder if one of his plan, or one if he knows that he can't play too much at this point, that he can't tease us. He can't give us an exact date, but maybe he knows. He just can't tease us. It's a perfect time with the show coming out in 2019. In 2019, should say we we uh, we we could use the book. We could use fire and blood as well, but we could use the book. Let's not pressure them. Let's just pray to the seven gods and the old gods that this is the year. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Let's just talk about the hounds just a little bit more. I think we're both saying the same thing, but while you're saying he found religion, I'm saying he's always had it. And the reason why he's always had it is because his family were fire worshippers, and it's I still place in my theory that the Hound is still a red priest and Melisandre is going to awaken that in him. And you see that in him because he is terrified of fire. Not of pain, not of blood loss, but of fire. When he sees actual fire, I believe he's getting those flashes when he was little of talking to the Red God. And um, the, the Hound does things... Your Sansa example is the best because... Uh, the Hound does things when nobody's watching, okay? The best last example of that is him trying to get Sansa out of the, the keep, and he's drunk. And because he's drunk and wasted, he could have done anything to her. No one would have ever known, but he doesn't. He's he's already had... All right, Kevin and I have been going back and forth about uh, the Hound over the last couple of days. We're not back and, forth, uh, back and forth like we're debating here. It's just we're trying to figure out the Hound, the growth of the Hound, the path of the Hound. And, and I think, Kevin, you're right. I think maybe you're saying it a little bit better here that the Hound 
the Hounds always had religion. Uh, and I know your call got cut off on the end, but you were citing the example of Sansa and things he does when no one's watching. And that kind of was always there. He just maybe felt he had to keep up to the image of the Hound that had kind of been built up and that he helped build up as kind of a shield to what he was really feeling. So that makes some sense to me. And I love the idea that he's a red priest at heart. That maybe that's what he's going to find out. His family, maybe they worship the fire. This thing happens, this disaster with fire, but maybe it was the... The, the God of Light uh, calling him to the flames, literally. Something that uh, should have uh, he should have realized earlier. And then he obviously sees what's going on in the flames. Now, Stannis sees it. I wouldn't call him a red priest. Other people might see things in the fire. We saw Solis after being shown by Melisandre. But how much were they seeing? And how much was Melisandre letting them see? Or how much was she making them think they saw? But the idea that the Hound might secretly be a red priest. And this could be his final... Uh, growth, final transition as a character. Interesting theory. That's what we love doing here on Daily Thrones. Your voice, my voice. We talk about Game of Thrones daily. Let everyone know. Spread the word and call on in. We'll see you guys tomorrow.